My name is Eric Halston. I'm a thru-hiker and a runner. Um, I live in Bend, Oregon right now, and I just hiked the Oregon section of the PCT and did the new self-supported fastest known time there. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a good little intro. Um, I was just thinking this morning, I was like, how do I know this guy? Because I don't think we've ever officially met in real life, but I've, I just think I saw you like across the years one year, maybe a couple of years ago, and I've, yeah, I've known about you, I think, year. through. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you have a, a background in running and, and hiking, or is it vice versa? A little bit. I would say probably more hiking, um, but running stuff too. Yeah, the, the last couple of years I've done um, longer through hikes. So I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2021 and the Continental Divide Trail um, last summer, 2022, um, and some shorter backpacking stuff too. And then um, when I'm not through hiking, I like running and um, longer trail runs specifically. So done a couple races and um, a lot of stuff just like self-supported running stuff by myself or with friends because um, I'm cheap and don't want to do races all the time <laughs> is, is that one of the reasons why you do self-supported things is because of the price yeah definitely yeah I mean I would love to do more races but I, I just can't really afford it yeah definitely I know what you mean like sometimes I'm like oh man I'm paying 100 150 dollars 200 dollars to run on like a public trail it's like why don't I just go out and do this by myself for ten dollars <laughs> yeah and it's definitely worth it sometimes like you know like once or twice a year for me um is a good amount uh, you know a, a good number of times to do a race because I really like the race environment and it's fun like being around other people doing the same thing and having that competition added to it and all that stuff um definitely makes it a more full experience but there's there's a lot to be said too about just doing something by yourself um in the mountains or in the woods definitely let's talk a little bit about that and like because i feel like a lot of people like they get really amped up and motivated like they'll sign up for a race for example just to like stay on track and in focus for like whatever their training is but like mm -hmm. there's so many differences and like i personally like i love doing solo adventures i think it's fun to like plan something and then try to like make it happen but then also mm -hmm. racing is fun too but it's a very different like environment especially at the start line at least for me where i feel like really nervous at the start but then like at a <laughs> for an fkt not so much so like yeah what are those differences that you like and dislike about racing and like say doing an fkt <laughs> yeah the nerves is definitely a weird one where i remember thinking i remember telling krista my girlfriend that um like the night before I started the Oregon PCT um, this summer, I was telling her like, man, like I don't, it's weird. I don't feel nervous, but I know if this were the night before, like a 50 K I would be like shaking <laughs> just because maybe it's just like social anxiety more than anything of just like being a part of a group all doing something. But I don't know. There's definitely more nerves when it's a race. Like it feels I don't know. I guess it tricks you into thinking it's like now it's really serious. Um, even if you try to treat the FKT seriously, also your brain just doesn't believe it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but other, other differences. I mean, the people is the main thing about being in a race that makes it so fun, like getting to meet cool people and um, getting to race other people directly um, and having aid stations, obviously just practically is really nice um and uh you know just like making an event out of it like you know 
feeling like I'm actually signed up for this specific event and I'm going to do this thing um, feels more tangible than just like planning your own trip, your own adventure. Um, but there's, it usually feels like a more raw experience for me doing something by myself that's not an organized event. Like, feels a little bit more like you're connected to exactly what you're doing. There's less distractions. Um, but you're alone a lot more and, you know, you get lonely more easily, at least I do. Um, and that's always one of the big difficulties is just being by yourself doing it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's pros and cons. Like it's exciting to be doing something where you're self-reliant and taking care of everything by yourself. Um, but at the same time, you miss having that connection. You miss people being around. You miss having help. So it's nice to go back and forth, I think, for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, there's definitely a lot of differences there. And it's like, it's not like one is bad and one is good. It's like they can both be awesome in their own ways. But mm -hmm. I guess they also have like, not, this sounds weird to say, but like negative things their own ways too. Not that those things are negative, but just differences, I guess. And yeah. It's so, yeah. I mean, it could be negative. <laughs> it feels yeah, negative I guess, sometimes. <laughs> I guess being alone in your own head, suffering in the wilderness yeah. somewhere with no communication could be pretty negative. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, wow, I really wish my friends were here. That would be better. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had somebody to complain to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I always feel in FKTs and just like long attempts on things. It's like, oh man, like I wish somebody could hear just or was here just to hear me complain, even though it doesn't help, but <laughs> it just feels better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone calls help a lot with that. I definitely yeah, take definitely. advantage of that when I can. For sure. So I guess speaking of that, then let's talk about um, the Oregon section of the PCT. Because you set the FKT on it. You broke the, the guy's record. I'm spacing his name right now, but it was by like 12 Brian, hours or so, right? Brian Donnelly. Um, I think by eight hours. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like what, what motivated you to want to do that section and do it in the way that you did it? Yeah, so... Um, it started from uh, last year, um, you know this already, but um, me and my girlfriend Krista both attempted the Arizona Trail FKT um, last fall and didn't work out for either of us. We both ended up quitting um, a couple days from the end, and uh, that was really a really disappointing experience, I guess. Um, once I got a little space from it, we both had a lot of regrets about it. And <laughs> There's always like so much you can look back on and feel like I should have done this differently or that differently. So we knew we wanted to do something like it again. Um, but the idea of doing the Arizona trail again so soon sounded pretty unpleasant. <laughs> so we, we both kind of wanted to do something shorter, but it was still like a multi-day backpacking FKT. So we figured somewhere around like 400 miles would be a good distance, which is about half the distance of the AZT. Um, and so, yeah, then we were basically just looking at trails around the country that were about 400 miles, um, that we could do a few months from then, which ended up being, um, this spring and summer. Um, we decided to move to Oregon for the summer. Um, and that was probably, I can't remember exactly which came first, whether we decided to move here first or whether we decided to do trails here first, <laughs> Um, Krista decided to do the Oregon coast trail, which is a 400 mile route along the Oregon coast, um, from Washington to California, they go southbound because of the, the predominant winds. 
Um, and I supported her along her FKT attempt there in June. Um, and she was successful. She set a new overall FKT there um, by several hours. And, uh, and then the trail I decided to do was the Oregon section of the PCT, um, which is about 450, 460 miles. Uh, and that's just the Pacific Crest Trail through Oregon. So the PCT runs all the way from Mexico to Canada. Um, but just the Oregon State section is about 450 miles. And I just did that. Um, or I just finished a week ago. Uh, so I did that first week of August um, this year. And I did that self-supported and uh, northbound from south to north. Why did you decide to do it self-supported, say, versus like having your girlfriend support you or something? Um, the self-supported is always more exciting to me. Like it just because it, I don't know, it's... <laughs> fun to think like I'm just out here doing this by myself um and since I have like a background of through hiking and backpacking that feels like the natural way to do it that if I'm going to do a long trail record it should be as a through hiker or a section hiker in this case um that's how we both attempted the Arizona trail last year and then this spring um I ran the the Maricopa loop or the Maricopa trail around Phoenix which I don't know if you've heard of it it's not super popular yeah, um, I heard of it. It's like, a, I think the trail is like 300 miles, but it has a bunch of spur trails that make it 300. But um, the Maricopa Loop is like 240 miles, makes a big loop around the Phoenix area. Um, so when we were living in Phoenix last fall, Chris and I each ran the Maricopa Loop and supported each other like a month apart running it. Um, and I was actually also attempting the FKT there, which I also failed. <laughs> uh, overestimated my ability there a little bit I think um, but that was like my first experience doing anything multi-day supported like that and it was really cool to have a van supporting me you know Krista with our van supporting me and having a couple friends come out and pace sections and sleeping in the van every night it, it was great um, but I felt like the next thing I wanted to do should be self-supported again to kind of have that back and forth um and being on the pct which is my first through hike it felt like it made the most sense again just for that reason like aesthetically i guess self-supported made the most sense because that was how i was used to being on the pct yeah oh, it makes a lot of sense like considering your background and everything and everything that you've done like having done the pct <laughs> and the cdt it's like i don't know it's, it's interesting to me uh like you mentioned, uh, having failed a few times doing things like, um, like the Maricopa <laughs> loop and other things. Like, I, I want to talk about that because I think like a lot of people look at failure as like always like this bad thing. Like, okay, I just failed. Like I, maybe I talked about something that I didn't accomplish it or whatever. And then it's like, at the end of the world for them for a long time. They just don't feel like, I don't know, whatever they can do anything, but like, it sounds mm -hmm. like you've learned a lot from one being successful, like having successful through hikes, but then also from failing. So like, what do you think the value is in like trying really hard things that you may or may not accomplish? Like it's not a guaranteed win, for example. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the whole point of doing anything like this. Like, like the Oregon piece. Another reason I picked the Oregon PCT is because Brian's time on it was a time that I didn't know if I could do. Um, he had, I think, a pretty respectable time up. It had stood since 2013. And 
that time was like intimidating to me. Um, so that was part of why I wanted to do it. Um, same with the Arizona trail. Um, Josh Perry still holds the time on the Arizona trail. And that was very much something that I didn't know if I could do, um, in the Maricopa trail. Uh, but yeah, it's like, if, I mean, if the time was like maybe even five miles a day less, I would have been like, Oh, well, yeah, I know I can do that. If it was five miles a day more, I would have been like, okay, well, that's impossible. <laughs> I can't do that. So there wouldn't be any point. But it was like, I don't know, it, it felt like it was right in that sweet spot of like, right, maybe on the edge of what I could do. And I wasn't totally sure if I could do it or, or not. Um, so that's what makes it worth doing. Like if it's, if it's obvious that you can do it, then why bother? Um, and if it seems like it's impossible, then why bother? Um, so yeah, it's like, I feel like you should always just be, at least for me, I, I want to always just be doing stuff that's, I think is right on the edge of what I might be able to do because then you learn what you can do. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I guess if you're just like, I don't know, say you're just running an example, if you're just a normal dude and you're like, I'm going to go win Western States running 20 miles a week or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly yeah. unattainable, but like maybe you're doing something small. It's like setting attainable goals that are still very challenging are better than just unrealistic things that are just yeah. going to beat you down for no reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've found generally, I mean, I've only been doing this kind of stuff the last couple of years, really since I had the PCD. Um, and I found, I, I have to count it all up to know exactly, but I've probably failed about half of the <laughs> big objectives that I've attempted. Um, <laughs> like long, you know, long trail record attempts or, or like a time goal at a race or something. Yeah. I've probably failed half of the things, which is, I think a pretty good ratio to have. I mean, ideally, obviously you want to finish everything and feel good all the time, but it's not really reasonable, reasonable. And if you are succeeding at everything you're doing, then it's probably too easy. No, that's actually, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. I've never even thought about it that way, but like, if you can always do it, it's like, yeah. Like why? Like it's not challenging. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be fun for other reasons. There's plenty of other reasons to run or hike. Um, but if you're doing it to see, um, what your limits are, then, then yeah, you, you probably should be failing some of the time at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, last night, like I was telling you before we started recording that I'm in Boulder right now and we did a film showing and, um, it was about Denali and this woman that went up there and like, she was talking about her failed FKT. She's like, I fail a lot, like probably more than half the time. And I think she's failed like four FKTs in a row or something. And like mm -hmm. at first she was kind of like, well, this kind of sucks. It's like, I'm a failure. Like I'm not <laughs> accomplishing what I need to do. Like I'm an athlete. But then it was like, no, like if you're doing hard things, like one, there's things out of your control, right? Like the weather, for example. Right. And it's like, it's like, you just got to kind of keep showing up. Otherwise you're, you're just a failure at that point. But if you keep showing up, like at some point things are probably going to click. Mm-hmm yeah yeah definitely yeah so let, let's go through your your journey then um on the pct so like you you and your girlfriend decided to do your trails and stuff and then you went self-supported so like what was it like when you started because this year's weather patterns have been a little abnormal as far as like rain and stuff and like not being someone that's very familiar with oregon especially that side of oregon like my idea is that it's just rainy and wet and cold the entire time but is that is that how it was or how did everything go from the beginning um so usually the PCT is during the summer, like peak summer months, like August, it's typically a very dry and hot trail. Um, at least ex with the exception of like the high Sierra, 
is usually snowy. Um, but like when I hiked in 2021, I think I had three days of rain the whole time. Um, so yeah, it was mostly just like warm and dry every day. So that's kind of what I was expecting, um, for Oregon and, uh, Oregon, I think had pretty typical snowpack this year, actually, maybe slightly above average, but it wasn't like the crazy snowpack that California had. Um, so yeah, I was, it was, I was expecting it to be pretty warm every day. Um, it ended up being a little cooler than I thought it rained, I think two days, um, two afternoons. I had like afternoon thunderstorm rain, um, through the state of Oregon. I think the snowpack was pretty typical this year, maybe a little bit above average. Um, it was a crazy snow year, crazy high snow year in California and in the Sierra Nevada. Um, but in Oregon, the snow was pretty normal. So like by the time I did the, the Oregon PCT, the first week of August, there was no snow anywhere. Um, and I was kind of expecting it to be just hot and dry. It was very hot and dry um, on the PCT two years ago. Um, so I was actually kind of surprised that it wasn't all the time. Um, I think it was just kind of a, a coincidence or slightly unusual. Um, but I had like rain and thunderstorms two days, um, kind of two days in the middle. And then it was cloudy for a couple of days. It was like super foggy um, for a day or two. It was really only hot for maybe three days. Um, yeah, so the weather was kind of all over the place, which I was surprised by. How do you prepare for like for that? Because like you maybe you go in with an expectation the weather is going to be this way and then it's complete opposite. Like, do you just have to prepare for everything or do you kind of roll the dice and be like, okay, like I'm not going to bring this because it's too much weight. Because I think mm -hmm. like running an ultra or even like a hundred or something longer, like mm -hmm. you have a general idea of what the weather is going to be over those days. Like you might get some anomalies or whatever and you're probably going to have some rain or something, but like that's easy to prepare for. Whereas like if you're out for seven, eight days or something, it's like, how do you prepare and like prep gear for something like that logistically? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely cut corners with my gear where I, I brought less stuff than I would normally bring if it was a more casual trip. Um, cause I just wanted my backpack to be as light as I could. Um, the main thing I, I didn't bring a, a real shelter, like a tent or a tarp or anything. Well, I don't have a tarp, but I didn't bring my tent. Um, Instead, I brought just a emergency bivy, which is like $15 at REI. It's basically just an emergency blanket, like wrapped in the shape of a sleeping bag. So it's waterproof and it reflects heat, um, but it doesn't like fully seal. So basically, if it, if it rains or if it's super cold, you can climb inside it um, and it will kind of keep you dry and warm, like, but it's not going to be comfortable, basically. Um, so I wasn't expecting any rain. So I figured like, yeah, I'm not even going to use this. Um, and luckily it never actually rained at night. So every time it rained or the two times it really rains, um, it was just during the afternoon. And then it dried out enough by the time the sun went down that I wasn't really worried about rain. There was one night where it looked like it was going to rain. So I slept in my emergency bivy. Um, I had a sleeping bag also. So every night I just slept in my sleeping bag on the ground um, with my little foam pad. Uh, but that night I slept in my sleeping bag with the emergency bivy around it, thinking that it was going to rain. And I kind of forgot that like, um, condensation is, <laughs> is a big thing when you're in an enclosed <laughs> shelter like that. 
so it didn't end up raining i slept in it all night but i woke up just like soaking wet because <laughs> i've just been breathing in this foil bag all night and my sleeping bag was soaked and my clothes were wet um and it didn't even rain so i felt kind of stupid for that one <laughs> i should have just slept without it and i would have been dry but anyway it worked out okay um it never got like freezing cold at night and it never got like 100 degrees during the day so it was relatively reasonable weather um and obviously i could have whenever you cut corners with gear like that like if it was a torrential rainstorm at night which is always possible i maybe would have been kind of screwed um like what you would have to do there is either try to find some kind of like natural protection from the elements and then just curl up in your bivy and hope it's okay or just keep hiking through the whole night um which i kind of did once on the azt last year and that was a disaster um so i didn't want that to happen again so i was yeah i was just kind of banking on that it wouldn't rain <laughs> yeah definitely got, rolling got the relatively dice lucky yeah yeah <laughs> not to get too far off topic but like on the arizona trails i think a lot of people just think of it as like oh you're just hot dry in the desert which is far from the truth but yeah. um why did you decide to hike through the night in the rain versus just kind of posting up and letting it pass? Well, I had the same emergency baby and I knew it wasn't okay. going to work very well. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually did sleep a little bit. So I knew rain, this is coming out of pine going southbound. I was going through the Mazatzal wilderness, which is a pretty remote area. And I checked the weather forecast in pine before I left. Um, and I saw that it was supposed to start raining around midnight and rain for the rest of the night. So I basically, I just hiked until like 10 PM and then I slept for two hours. Um, and then I packed up my stuff before it started raining, planning to just hike through the rest of the night, which I did, but, um, and it rained and it was miserable and I couldn't navigate and I couldn't use my phone cause my hands were too cold and wet. And, uh, so I was just like, it, it was pretty stupid cause I was just making no progress. Like I was going probably a mile and a half, maybe two miles an hour with all the wrong turns and like stumbling over myself and getting lost. And, uh, it just like really contributed to my sleep deprivation, um, staying up for that whole night, basically. Um, and then sleep deprivation ended up being the main reason why the AZT didn't work for me. Um, I just got too much in the hole with sleep deprivation and I couldn't stay awake hiking like i would just lie down for a nap and sleep for like three hours i couldn't wake up <laughs> let's talk a little more of it a little bit more about that then because if you're you're out like i don't know you're doing something long like i think most people can pace themselves for like a 5k or something but if you're gonna be out for multiple days like how do you pace yourself with sleep and like just that in general because i think there is a fine line between sleeping too much and too little right yeah, definitely. Um, the AZT was the first re really like multi-day FKT attempt I've done. So I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to sleep every night because it's like, it takes like two weeks or longer. So, um, I knew I needed to sleep every night, but I didn't know how long I needed to sleep for. Um, and I just, I kind of made a pacing plan beforehand and just, you know, you write down a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But it doesn't necessarily correlate to how things will go. Um, I ended up moving slower 
throughout the day every day than I kind of expected I would. Um, and that resulted in less time in camp every night, which means less sleep every night. So in, in total, I was on trail for 13 days and I think I slept 3.9 hours a night on average. Um, which turned out to not be enough. Like I said, the last few days I kept sleeping through my alarms by like an hour, two hours, three hours. And I missed a resupply because of it. Uh, I would just get a late start in the morning because of it. Um, yeah, it was just like really discouraging. And then you sleep in and then that means you have to hike later in the night that night and hiking late into the night when you're sleep deprived is super difficult and then you walk slower when you're sleep deprived so then you get to camp even later and then you get less sleep yeah it's a, it's a cycle <laughs> or whatever it's just makes itself worse and worse um so sleep deprivation was like my biggest concern going into the oregon pct or like the biggest thing that i wanted to um prevent from getting too bad um and I knew there was kind of a balance to be found between moving too slow throughout the day that you don't get enough sleep and then moving too fast throughout the day to where you injure yourself or just wear out your muscles too much. And then um, you can't keep up the pace. So yeah, it's like, it's kind of a balancing act um, where there's, there's obviously lots of factors um, doing something multi-day, but two of the big ones that I was thinking about were, sleep and moving pace basically trying to find the right balance between that um i did a a training hike for the oregon pct a couple months ago where i did basically i did like the mileage for the first two days and on that training hike i moved like way faster throughout the day than i typically do um and by the end of the second day my legs were just totally shot it's like okay well this lets me spend a lot more time in camp, but now I can't walk on day three. So like, this is definitely too fast. Um, so that kind of helped me find the, the sweet spot for me. Um, and that's different for everybody. Like I know there's other hikers and runners who do long trails who are uh, in much better shape, <laughs> at much fitter and can like go four miles an hour all day long. And um, that's, amazing that they can do that um but that's not not me on the azt i think my average moving pace was like 2.8 miles per hour or something and on the oregon pct actually i haven't calculated it yet um but i think it was more like three probably three miles an hour um which was like enough that i could get just enough sleep for something of this duration um and get the miles in that i wanted to um but not so fast that my legs were totally shot for the next day yeah i guess speaking of that like when um i was telling you a little bit ago that we did a show with uh, jeff garmeyer um about that and then we were just talking about like random stuff and he's a funny guy so we definitely got off topic a lot just talking about random stories because he's hilarious but like something I think that a lot of people runners specifically don't understand is that like when you're out on a through hike, like in FKT specifically, like every little thing matters, like for your speed, like if you're out running a 50 K like, yeah, you can hold whatever minute pace and there's not that mm -hmm. many variables, but like 
when you're out through hiking and setting up KT, it's like, okay, you got to think days in advance, basically. Like, yeah, because maybe you could do a hundred K day, but then the next day if you're shot, like where you can do 20 miles or something, then your average is, is way mm-hmm. slower. But then also like logistically, it's like, like sleeping at night and eating. Like a lot of people don't factor that in. They will think and be like, oh, well, I could walk 20 or like a 20 minute mile. Like it's not a big deal. Right. Do that. Yeah. But it's like, can you do that while getting resupplies, while doing all these other things, while eating, while mm-hmm. sleeping, like maybe setting up a tent, maybe dealing with a rainstorm or something. And I guess it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me that we look at things from an outside perspective, like, oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that much mileage in a day. It's like, yeah, you can do it once, but could you do it day in and day out for multiple weeks or something? It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets really interesting to me with people who do like the whole PCT or the whole Appalachian trail. Um, that's not something that I ever want to do. It's, it's like the worst thing in the world, but it's like, it's so cool to follow attempts of people doing that and like see their strategy because longevity and like um, the the ability to wake up every day, like relatively refreshed becomes super important if you're trying to go for um, a month and a half or two months or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, even for something like the Oregon PCT, that's like seven, eight days. Um, it's important to, to pace yourself enough that yeah, each day you can wake up and feel pretty much like you did the day before and be able to walk. Um, or run or whatever i wasn't really running much but be able to walk the same pace that you did the day before um yeah and, and i think having the having through hiking experience also helps a lot with the efficiency stuff like what you're saying you know knowing how to resupply quickly and um eating all your food while you walk being quick with like bathroom breaks and stuff being able to wake up in the morning and be walking within 15 minutes um, and uh, getting to camp and, you know, having everything ready already and just throwing everything on the ground and lying right down. Um, Definitely takes practice to get more efficient doing it. um, And that efficiency saves you a lot of time throughout the day. Um, Like I never ate sitting down on the whole Oregon PCT. I only ate while I was walking. Um, I only brushed my teeth while I was walking. I did everything I could <laughs> just while walking, changing clothes or um, unless it was something that I absolutely needed to sit down for, I would do it while I was walking. Um, and yeah, throughout the course of a day, that can save you like an hour or maybe more, depending how slow you are with doing stuff like that. Definitely. I've noticed that like on my like through hikes that I've, or I've never successfully done any like long through hike like that anyways, as far as you have, but like, it's interesting, like how much time can get sucked in the morning Like you wake up and it's like, Oh, well, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And it's like, you look at your watch, like, why did I even wake up at four 30? Cause now it's six 30 and I'm still laying here <laughs> on my pad or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, all very easy things. to just let the time slip by <laughs> and lose focus. Yeah, for sure. And I imagine even more so when you're out there for like, a week or two like you're probably just tired and it's like oh i'll just sit here for five minutes or 10 minutes or something and then it's like well 10 minutes could be a half a mile which adds yeah. up over the time <laughs> yeah on the azt i wasn't quite as efficient for for that reason where like you just feel sorry for yourself or you feel down on yourself or whatever and you're like man i just need to sit down for five minutes like this is too much right now <laughs> i just need to sit down and close my eyes and think about it or whatever or you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like it's you snooze your alarm once. Um, 
I, I would do stuff like that occasionally on the Arizona trail. And in retrospect, that was some of the stuff that contributed to my sleep deprivation. Um, we're like, you know, a few minutes a day here and there that could add up to another 30 minutes to sleep a night. And if I was sleeping another 30 minutes every night, I wouldn't have been at the point that I was at. So yeah, it, it definitely makes a difference. Um, and I feel like I, I balanced that better this time around um, in Oregon. Like now that you've uh, mentioned recovery quite a bit and like, um, like all of that, like, let's talk about like nutritional side of that. I know you were joking about how like it's, I'm going to be embarrassed or not impressed by what you ate, but uh, <laughs> I, I think everyone's... <laughs> it might make it more interesting for me than uh, saying you have a super strict diet or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's so, more interesting. <laughs> So how do you, how do you plan for something like that for a hike? Because like, I know weight's an issue and then also like caloric density is an issue and all these things. So like, like, mm-hmm. do you just plan specifically for like calories per ounce while you're out there and like think quote unquote short term on the hike and then maybe try to eat better when you're at home or how does that work for you? And what are your kind of um, thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, so while, while I'm, while I'm uh, doing a, an attempt like the Oregon PCT, um, I'll eat pretty much just like plastic, like trash trail food. Um, so that means a lot of like a lot of chocolate, a lot of <laughs> candy, um, M&Ms, granola bars, uh, trail mix cookies. That was pretty much my diet. <laughs> um, as it is usually when I through hike. Um, cause it's all just like calorically dense foods. And then one of the big things for me is, is, uh, just making sure it's all foods that I actually want to eat. Um, because if I just have, you know, if I have a food bag full of food, that's healthier, um, or maybe even more calorically dense, but it all just looks disgusting. I'm just not going to eat it. And then I'm going to go hungry. Um, and when you're burning, a lot of calories every day it's more important i think just to eat as much as possible than it is to think in that much deep depth about what you're actually consuming um this definitely isn't healthy but <laughs> but doing this in general is not healthy so <laughs> yeah i think it just kind of goes along with the um the whole thing that you know you're kind of beating your body up doing this stupid thing and you're eating ridiculous foods while you do it um yeah at least that's how i think about it. i'm just like what brand of cookies am i going to want to eat on day five and i'll just buy a lot of those cookies and then yeah that's pretty much it that makes a lot of sense though like it sounds kind of ridiculous but it's like like if you're going to have like i don't know like a salad or something and obviously it's not going to happen but like something like that you're just like i'm not i don't want to eat this and you just kind of start bonking i guess slowly over time but yeah if it if it's actually something you want to eat, then you're going to fuel yourself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, my, my goal, at least doing this stuff is to just try to get calorically dense foods that are, um, that make me, uh, want to eat them. <laughs> and then there's also yeah. an added thing of like, if you have foods you like, they make you happy. And if you're happy, then you're going to perform better. So I'm like, Oh, it makes me smile that I know I have Oreos in my backpack. And <laughs> so that helps with morale a little bit too. Oh, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Like 
I don't know. It's it's funny. I guess it's funny to me how like something so small, like like an Oreo, could be like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the greatest thing on the planet, and totally like change your mood versus <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna have some like, I don't know, whatever, whatever crap that I don't want to eat and never want to eat. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so I know. I mean, there's there's definitely improvements I could make to the nutrition stuff. Um, at least for the time being, I don't I don't think about it too too much. I guess. <laughs> yeah no, I, I get that and i think like i guess my personal thoughts about it are like if you're doing an attempt on something it's like like say you're running like having gels like yeah they're not like a health food by any means like it's just mm-hmm. straight sugar glucose basically like to your blood but like you're not eating those every day all day like i'm not having a mm-hmm. breakfast of gels and you're, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making assumptions here but i'm assuming yeah, you're yeah. Having a normal day eating oreos for breakfast with like a coke or something <laughs> uh, occasionally i mean not usually but <laughs> No judgment, but <laughs> <laughs> not usually. It's... Usually, I'll have some cereal, something a little more reasonable, banana, <laughs> something slightly healthier than an Oreo. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I find nutrition fascinating because, like, I was saying, we spoke with Jeff Garmeyer about his nutrition, and like, yeah, it's not like what a lot of people consider healthy all the time, but it's like, yeah, like sometimes you just got to eat, and like, if you're not eating, you're gonna just bonk if you're out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere and you're not eating food, and you just like have a meltdown because of that. Like, that's like a liability to you and to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You need to keep eating. Yeah. And yeah. I guess like, I don't know, like I might bore you with like nutrition talk, but I think. No, I'm, always, I'm, like, I'm kind of interested in nutrition. Even if I don't like follow anybody's advice, about it, it's fun <laughs> to learn about. <laughs> like, I think like, I don't know. I tried to avoid eating processed foods myself. Cause I think for a lot of reasons, like they should be avoided. But at the mm-hmm. same time though, like they are like, very calorically dense and like mm-hmm. you can have like a snickers bar with like however many calories or you could have like mm-hmm. a pound of something else that's going to be heavier and just not like efficient to eat but if you can mm-hmm. just like slam down like a, a snickers or a payday or something or whatever like yeah you can get a lot of calories really fast and like in those moments like that's that's appropriate i feel like and like yeah that's not something i would want to eat personally every day but in the moment like it, it makes sense and like for the situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally yeah. So, so I guess like thinking of that, then like, so we're going to start wrapping up here. Like, what did you um like do when you got back? Like, did your girlfriend pick you up and bring you a bunch of food or something? Or did you just, yeah, what was that? <laughs> yeah, like? pretty much. <laughs> um, so the, the trail ends at the, the Oregon Washington border um, at Cascade Locks. Um, so the, the Columbia River makes the border between the two states. So the, the actual Oregon Washington border is, in the middle of the bridge of the gods halfway across the bridge um mm-hmm. so yeah basically on uh when i finished i got to the town of cascade locks and walked over to the bridge of the gods and um krista my girlfriend met me there and we walked halfway across together to the welcome to washington sign and that was the end um and then we walked back to the car and she had a pizza and a pint of ben and jerry's ready and i <laughs> devoured that it was very good i've been thinking about that for a long time um, and yeah over the over the last few days i've just been eating a lot and trying to sleep a lot um and yeah just mostly trying to relax and stay off my feet yeah definitely like hey, speaking of your feet how'd your feet do did you wear i think i saw you wearing not good or something 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I wear ultras. Um, Tell me more about that. It's the ultras' fault necessarily. I just got really bad blisters this time, which I don't usually have big problems with blisters, but I I just stopped taking care of my feet at all, and um, I should have kind of expected it. But yeah, I didn't look at my feet for like three or four days. Um, I would sleep barefoot, and then when I wake up in the morning, I would just put my socks on without looking at my feet because I didn't want to know. And then I'd get to camp at night, and I'd take my shoes and socks off and put them in my sleeping bag and not look at them. And then on the second to last day, I decided to look at my feet before I put my socks on, and they were pretty gross. Um, I had some, some big blisters all around, and I mean, I knew I had blisters because I could feel them walking. But I was surprised to see like how how big they were, I guess, because I'm usually not someone who's super prone to blisters. So um, when I got to my last resupply spot um, on the second to the last day, I resupplied at Awali Lake Resort. And they have a little camp store there, basically, or resort store. Um, so I bought some candy bars, of course, and I bought some Band-Aids and some tape. And I went down to the lake that they have there and tried to rinse the dirt off my feet. And then poured hand sanitizer all over my feet and <laughs> popped my blisters and drained them and tried to dress them with the band-aids. Um, but that, I mean, it didn't work very well, but I drained the blisters anyway. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm good. I was like a hundred miles from the end. I was like, not going to take my socks off again. Just <laughs> leave it be. It'll be okay. <laughs> and then the next day, the, the last day, um, I, I pushed the pace um, as much as I could anyway um, to try to finish as, as early as I could and just walking faster and running the downhills for the first time since day one, basically it was like a shock to my feet and the blisters just got worse and worse. And, um, <laughs> at one point on the last day with like 20 miles to go, I felt a new blister just come out of nowhere and it was like excruciating pain right away. So I sat down and, took my sock off and um i lost my safety pin somehow that i've been using to pop my blisters so i just poured hand sanitizer all over it rubbed it in with the dirt <laughs> pinched the blister with my fingers and um threw my sock on and kept going and somehow it didn't come back um or it didn't like get more painful over the rest of the day that was yeah i was taking a lot of ibuprofen the last day also so that was probably part of it um but yeah, my feet didn't like it. <laughs> That's interesting. Like it's it's interesting to me that like, I don't know, as far as blisters go, it's like what caused it this time versus last time or whatever. Like, yeah. What was like the one little variable that happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was I was a number of things, I'm sure, I guess. It's a very dusty trail, so you get a lot of dust and dirt in your shoes. Um, I'm sure that was part of it. And maybe I should have been like well, probably, yeah, I should have been looking closer at my feet um, for those few days in the middle, um, trying to prevent the blisters from getting to where they got to. But yeah, I mean, as it was, I, I was able to <laughs> I was able to finish. Um, but yeah, my, my feet look kind of 
kind of ridiculous right now so <laughs> if you have any photos you'll have to send me so i can uh be grossed out for a minute <laughs> yeah sure i can send you some pictures <laughs> maybe we'll make that the thumbnail picture for the for the show oh <laughs> yeah nasty people feet. Will love that <laughs> we'll get Krista some clicks for sure. I show her my feet yeah <laughs> oh it's awesome so uh last question then i guess before we wrap up is like what did you like what did you learn um, on this versus like say the Arizona trail, like obviously different lengths and everything that's mm-hmm. happened, but like, like what was like, I guess your biggest takeaway um, from the Oregon um, PCT? Well, it just, it felt really good to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I guess it's just like affirming or reassuring that like for the last couple of years, I felt like, man, I, I think I could do something like that but but just not having ever done it and then finally I set this goal and I went out and I did just what I wanted to do um somehow I finished within 11 minutes of the arbitrary time goal I'd set for myself like six months earlier and it just like it was perfect (laughs) it was just what I wanted to happen it was just what I wanted out of the experience and yeah it just feels really good to um to have done what i wanted to do and it gives me more confidence to think that i can do this kind of stuff um and gives me more confidence to think that um, i can attempt more things in the future yeah yeah so then what's in the future for you i know i said that was my last question but <laughs> you opened up the door so <laughs> yeah. anything on the radar um, right now I'm going to go back to across the years this year. <laughs> um, that'll be fun. If you're in Arizona, you should go by. <laughs> oh, definitely. I've actually, I've wanted to run it. I think it sounds fun. I've never done oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you should. It's a good time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, no FKTs in like the close, close future. Um, I'm working all year this year, unfortunately. So no big through hikes. Um, probably going to do a couple smaller trips this fall um some shorter like backpacking or bikepacking trips um yeah yeah no no fkts planned yet but definitely want to do more stuff in the future like this yeah definitely and i I think it's always important to to do something that motivates you and not do it just because somebody else has done it or somebody is pressuring to so like when the time right. comes, it's like, okay, that's, that's exciting to, to you. So that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to want to do it yourself. <laughs> Definitely. Well, cool, man. Um, let's wrap up. That was interesting to hear about that. And like, just like the little funny stories that happen. Cause and I'm sure there's way more you could tell me because seven days is not enough to, or it's, it's one hour <laughs> isn't enough time to cover an entire week. <laughs> yeah. I felt like a lot was happening, but um, at least a lot was happening in my head <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> even if i was just walking <laughs> yeah that's a lot of time in your head too yeah for sure <laughs> cool man well where can people find you like what's your instagram and like all that sort of stuff oh yeah um yeah i don't have a ton of social media but i'm on instagram um it's at halston eric um h-a-l-l-s-t-e-n-e-r-i-c it's just my last name and my first name and simple enough yeah that's about it 